Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. Today we're coming to you after the first ever New England Revolution matchup versus Charlotte FC, and I'm sure it's one that we're all going to want to forget. Uh, the Reds dropped all three points in a 3-1 loss to the hosts. Uh, I'm Chris Lucas. Joining me today from Trifecta Network Sports is Tanner Rebello. Tanner, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? Well, uh, all things considered, I, I could be worse. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. It was, it was a tough result. Uh, I definitely planned on, on coming on tonight and. I had a lot of different jokes written for the opener, and I was like, I'm going to have a lot of fun with it. It should be a nice, easy win for the Revs. Nothing really controversial or nothing to really complain about uh, after tonight. Uh, I was joking that we'd probably see double-digit goals from the Revs. Uh, definitely didn't see that. Uh, I, I'm doing okay, though, all things considered. So, uh, but About the match, though, Tanner... Um, do you have a you have a key takeaway you want to, you want to give us? You know, I think if you look at the last week, it's obviously very difficult for the Revolution. They blew a two nil lead at home to Real Salt Lake. It was the first time since two thousand seven they had blown a two nil lead at home. Then they fall to Pumas after having a three nil aggregate going into Mexico, and now they fall to Charlotte, who hadn't won in Major League Soccer up until this time three one on the road. So it's a difficult week, but. I think we all have to take a step back here, you know, media members, fans, and players and coaches alike, and say, hey, this is only four weeks into the Major League Soccer season. It is a very, very long season. Uh, and the Revolution are shorthanded. You know, they didn't have Henry Kessler, Andrew Farrell, Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa, and Matt Turner tonight. So this was far from a choice starting lineup for the Revolution. So I wouldn't overreact to this. I think it's Nice to see some adversity early. I thought last year they kind of cruised through the regular season. And the fact that they're facing this adversity now can help set them up for success later on in the season. Yeah, you know, I think not overreacting is definitely something that uh, might be tough to do in this scenario. But it is important to remember it's still very early and uh, definitely not a first choice 11. And I think that's possibly why I'm just okay instead of like furious right now. Uh, it has been a really difficult week. The Pumas game was a was a real uh, gut wrenching blow. Uh, of course, the RSL game you expected to come away with the win, uh, and then tonight, at least it wasn't like a last minute like thriller where you thought, oh, the Revs still have a chance to get something out of this. You kind of figured that the Revs were done with it once that second goal went in. Shortly after that third goal by Ben Bender getting his MLS uh, account opened you're kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to enjoy watching Charlotte celebrate their first win, I guess. Um, but it, it, it is important not to overreact because it's very easy to do that. But in overreacting, I, I'm going to do it because that's what I do. I like to overreact. Let's have a little bit of fun with it, I guess. I'm going to go with my t- key takeaway, which is the depth. It's just not there. I don't care that Charlotte FC is a professional soccer team. This is a brand new team, and the Revolution are... Supporter Shield champions from last year, uh, the reigning champs in that in that category, and you still can't beat a brand new expansion side. Uh, I get it was in Charlotte, but I mean, there was like 
not even close, right? I mean, maybe it was if you want to look at the at at Tanner's favorite stat, which is expected goals. Um, but the not. depth just, yeah, <laughs> the the depth just wasn't there, right? So there's eight players on the bench for the Revolution tonight. Uh, Charlotte had nine players. I don't know what the numbers are now after all these COVID rules have changed things. I don't know what the max numbers are, but I know that the Revs could have had more players than what they had. Uh, two of those eight players were goalkeepers. Why do you need to carry three goalkeepers into a match? I don't understand that. Maybe it's because of the Pumas match and the way that the travel worked. I still don't necessarily buy that as an excuse. But then you want to talk more about this depth and how it doesn't work. Only two subs all match. Uh, 90 minutes, two subs. You lost the game three to one and you only made two subs. You're allowed five. I don't understand the the decision making in that and what goes on behind that. It, of the players that didn't get subbed on, Cap Toom making five, uh, 550000 a year, something like that. That's a, that's a hefty contract for MLS standards. Maciel's also on the bench. He didn't play. He seems to get, you know, get favored by Bruce once in a while. Didn't see any minutes from him. But, oh, Tommy McNamara still went 90 minutes. I love Tommy McNamara. I'm a big fan of his. I know it's maybe a controversial take to say that. I think he deserves to be on this roster. I think he deserves a lot of the minutes he gets. I don't think he deserved to get 90 minutes tonight. I wanted to see Captoom. I wanted to see Masiel. I wanted to see something change up because nothing was working. I don't understand what Bruce was was trying to do. Uh, lastly, with my key takeaway, I'll say uh, Seth Maycomer uh, from the Bet Musket said over on Twitter. Uh, I don't I don't have the tweet up, so I can't I don't have it verbatim, but mentioned that the refs really need to be active in this summer window, and I can't. Uh, I can't agree with that statement more. Uh, there needs to be something else to back up your your starting 11. Uh, Josie Altador by himself up top looked lost. Uh, maybe he's still rusty. I, I understand he's not necessarily the most fit player at all times. Fine. But then that back line, if, if you don't have uh, Andrew Farrell and Henry Kessler, this team is completely lost. Earl Edwards Jr., uh, I was a big fan of his from the get-go. Uh, I've fallen off that train pretty quickly. Uh, maybe he's got some mental stuff going on. Maybe, you know, He was pretty good up until he started letting in goals against RSL. After that, it's been a lot of pretty simple goals, I think, uh, that he's conceded. So maybe it's just a mental thing for him. I don't really know. Um, I, I'm just saying I, I don't think that there's enough depth. I think not enough quality in the depth is, uh, I think, the biggest point. And just Bruce's decision-making kind of proves that. No one else got subbed in. Justin Rennix and Arnold Tristison were your only two subs in a match you lost three to one. All right, I, I'm done with my rant, but if if there's anything you wanted to add on that, Tanner, please feel free or correct me because maybe I'm just, maybe I'm going off the deep end and maybe you need to tell me not to overreact. I think it's fair to question Bruce Arena's roster management. You know, this is a coach that, brings in former players, Emma Boateng, AJ De La Garza, Omar Gonzalez, Sebastian Legette, Ozzy Altador. These are players that played for Bruce Arena prior to the revolution. Uh, so, you know, this is a coach that likes to play players that he knows, right? And I think that's a really dangerous game to play. I think in sports, you have to look at the future, right? You have to think about what's next, what's current in Major League Soccer, what's the next couple of years going to look like, and put yourself in a position to compete, I think Bruce, especially in the past two off seasons, has really looked at what he knows versus where I think the league is going. I think the roster needs depth. I do think John Bell and Omar Gonzalez are solid third and fourth option center backs. 
I think Henry Kessler and Andrew Farrell are probably the best, or if not one of the best center back pairings in Major League Soccer. I think Earl Edwards has been fine this year. I don't think he took away any goals the last three matches, maybe won the RSL game. Um, but I think his sliding back the last couple of games is more of a product of the center backs in front of him rather than his play. So I think, you know, I would have liked to see Brad Knighton personally got the start tonight, the North Carolina native. I think he should have gotten it and just given Earl Edwards that kind of breather after the last two matches. But I don't think this is necessarily the end of Earl Edwards. I still think he's going to be in the mix for when Matt Turner departs. But I do look at that attacking option. And I'm like, I thought Jose played okay at a couple good moments. You know, obviously you have Adam Buxa and Gustavo Bo when healthy. Um, but then you look beyond that and you're like, okay, is there another striking option? You have Edward Kiz on the roster. He has not made the match day roster once this year. He's occupying an international roster slot for you. Justin mm-hmm. Rennick's played tonight. I thought Rennick's looked good, but you know, he's not going to be a relying scoring option. So if you really look at this bench and you're like, okay, when healthy, who do they really have? It's going to be players like Arner Trustison and Jose Altidore coming off the bench. And there really isn't much beyond that. And you do look at Wilford Captoum, you're like half a million dollar salary in an international roster slot. And you really start to question, what are they doing with this roster? And, you know, they're spending money, clearly. You know, this team's spending a lot of money. Um, but I don't think they're using it properly or wisely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, there's just a lot of cash just kind of being thrown around. It's definitely a win-now attitude. I don't know what Bruce's thoughts are after this year because I think, you know, the Altidore salary, you were talking about money, that's just going to be going up, right? At least from what we understand as far as uh, the TFC contract. It's still a lot uh, – uh, it's still quite hazy, I guess, as to what the details of that that whole deal are. But you can only assume that you're going to be paying more for Altidore next year than you're paying this year. Uh, same thing goes for uh, Sebastian Legette. If I remember correctly, wasn't it uh, less in year one and more in year two? Uh, I, I could be wrong on that one. So if I am, please please tweet at me and and tell me I'm wrong. I'm very much used to people tweeting at me telling me I'm wrong. Uh, so I'll just add that one to the folder. But uh, yeah, I mean they're they're just kind of throwing their money around. I, is it some of the uh, some of the money that they get from uh, Buchanan or the potential money they're getting from Turner that I don't know if they received anything yet, but are they taking that money and just throwing it down and saying, just give us anything you got? Uh, I, I don't know. It, it almost feels like the, the roster decisions or the, the Bruce's thought process to bring in a lot of players that he just knows. It's I don't want to use the term lazy because I don't like that word for anything but it does feel somewhat down that line of of it being a lazy decision like oh i know this guy i'm not going to go find someone that's a better solution or maybe maybe bruce is jaded after trying to get you know uh mafla and captoon last year and that that didn't work i i I don't know i'm going down a totally different rabbit hole right now than uh than what i was planning on for tonight but uh that that could be a totally different topic let's get back on track and i do want to talk about the back line earl edwards jr you mentioned it knighton was on the bench didn't get the start i also thought that brad knight was going to be getting the start uh did not happen uh i i think knighton would have made uh several of those saves that we saw earl edwards allow tonight i can't remember the third goal i think I mean, that was just a, a whole broken up play. It, it happened. But the first two goals, I think, were, were very savable. Um, I would have liked to see Brad in there, maybe 
a chance to play in front of uh, family that he's never necessarily been able to play in front of before. Uh, I think that was possibly a missed opportunity for him. Uh, but I want to talk about the, the center back pairing. You did talk about them. Uh, John Bell, Omar Gonzalez. I think Omar Gonzalez at this point, I think he is exactly what we expected him to be, right? He's a veteran center back who's coming in to bring experience, to bring a physicality. He's not coming in to shore up the back line. And when he is the most senior uh, uh, player you have on your back line, that might be an issue because he's not that that sort of uh, stop stop all attackers type center back. He's an aerial threat. He provides assets transitioning to attack. He's very good on uh, attacking set pieces. You know, I mean, he's six foot five. No one's going to stop that guy. Uh, but that's about as far as the assets go, as far as Omar Gonzalez at this stage in his career. And then John Bell, I mean, I think John Bell has had, had a, last year, I thought he had a very good year. And being your fourth center back, I'm still okay with him in that role. Um, but I think he had a, a terrible night. I did want to say real quick before I throw it over to you, Tanner, that John Bell did recently just tweet out, and I wanted to read it. Um, but he mentions, I take full responsibility for my efforts on the field lately and apologize to my teammates and our fans for my performance. I'm going to strive to do better and be better. And uh, he's obviously being a little harsh on himself. Um, it's nice to know that there's some self-aware that, you know, he's made several mistakes out there. Uh, I think, you know, Tanner, you and I talked about this uh, uh, before jumping into this episode, but he was kind of thrust into a position that he might not necessarily be built for or be ready for. Um, I think John Bell still has quite a bit of growing to do and, I still like to see where that takes him in his future, but uh, as of right now, he's he's not a revolution first or second choice center back, in my opinion. I'm going to cut John Bell a little bit of slack. You know, yeah. prior to the Pumas game, he never played with Omar Gonzalez. So I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. I think they're two similar players in terms of what their strengths are. They don't really... It, it's a really tough position for him to be in, um, you know, and especially the fact that He's looking behind him, and it's not Matt Turner. And I think that's a tough thing to overcome too when you're looking at Earl Edwards, and you're probably not as confident that he's going to make a save. Although I looked at, I just rewatched all three goals, and I think there would have been very difficult saves for Earl Edwards to make. Um, so I'll, I'll give him some slack as well. But yeah, I think John Bell looked really, really rough tonight. But they, then again, he was getting burned by uh, DP um, yep. for Charlotte. And you know, I want to give Charlotte a lot of credit in this game. I thought they fought really hard. They were really physical. Um, you know, and they created chances for themselves and they were in front of a home crowd and yeah, they were 0-3 coming to this match, but they were building towards this result. You know, the last two games, they lost by one goal margins and it, it took right up to the last minute for the galaxy to beat them and then Atlanta United to beat them. So this is not a bad Charlotte team. I think it's, they have a really good coach too. I don't think they're necessarily going to be a great team this year, but they, they fight, right? They're going to give you all you can handle and, you know, credit to them tonight. You know, they played really well. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, I don't want to take away from Charlotte's win either. They definitely deserved it. Uh, I was very impressed coming into this match, really not knowing what to expect from the Charlotte team, what sort of tactics they might employ, how the how their designated players are going to work together. Uh, it, getting to see Ben Bender was interesting. Uh, I know there was so much hype around him around the Super Draft. Uh, but uh, Carol Swiderski, uh, 
I think he's a pretty common name as far as, you know, if you're a regular football fan, uh, you probably know who Spurgerski is. Uh, he lit it up today. He looks like he's going to be a problem for MLS um, for however long his contract uh, in Charlotte is. Uh, so definitely good on Charlotte. Credit to them. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, going back to some negatives, though. <laughs> we can't be too positive and rosy tonight. Uh, I can't be anyways. I know. Uh, reel me in if you have to, but I, I'm going to lump the midfield and the attack kind of together because when I was watching the match, I don't know if I saw a whole lot of differentiation between them. I mean, especially after the 70th minute, Carly's heel was the one taking ma- majority of the shots. I think he was had zero faith that any attacker was going to get into a position to put the ball into the back of the net. He's taking shots that you don't normally see him take. He's always looking for the for the best pass. Um, I, I didn't count how many of them, but there was one in the 70th minute. He took a shot from outside the box. In uh, the 74th minute, uh, he had a free kick opportunity that was pretty deep. He still took it uh, and pretty close to putting it on frame. And then uh, there was a couple others in between. And then there was the like maybe one of the last kicks of the match. He had a beautiful curler that hit the post on the on the far post. Uh, you don't normally see Hill take control of uh, the the match like that. But then you see the midfield was getting involved in the attack. McNamara was pushing him up way upfield. I'm not really sure what he was doing getting that part. Uh, Matt Polster, I don't know if he realizes that he's a defensive midfielder, but I saw him playing a lot of right wing. I saw him playing some left wing, drawing a penalty. I think he had a pretty decent game as a, for an attacker, um, but that's not where you, you expect Matt Polster to play. And in a game where you can see three goals, you got to kind of look at Matt Polster and say, maybe you should have been playing a little bit more back. Um, but then again, you know, he did he did do good when he went up. But what was your takeaways? What do you think uh, as far as the tactics were? Uh, was there any plan at all for for how to break down this Charlotte defense? Well, they were without two DP Fords, right? And yes. Bowen Buxa. So they were put in a tough position. You talk about Jose Altidore. This was his first 90-minute appearance since October 27th of 2021. So... You know, I'm sure there were some sore legs on his part towards the end of that match. And Car- Carlos Hill was excellent, as always. You know, FOTMOB agrees with you. According to FOTMOB, he had an 8.9 rating. Uh, and he did take some shots at range. Carlos Hill usually likes to delegate. Uh, but there, yeah, there were some times that later in this match where he really, like, tried to take it over. And he's good enough to do it. It's just who's going to help him. And I agree. Tommy McNamara and Matt Pulse were heavily involved in the offense. But I think that's more of a product of not having two DP forwards. So they really had to be involved because it was a very different, um, you know, lineup than the revolution are used to. I thought Sebastian Legette should have been more involved. You couldn't get a shot on frame. And there was times where the revolution were having sustained attacking pressure and Legette was sort of holding off and actually playing closer to his own end than McNamara post Polster, who were supposed to be playing in front and back of him. So was, I thought Legette should have been more involved in this game. Um, I, I thought he's been fine overall for the revolution since coming, but I don't think he's been nearly involved as much as he needs to be. Yeah, I'll agree. And I think uh, tonight was maybe Legette's worst night in a Revolution uniform. I still don't think it was bad, but it wasn't necessarily a positive performance from him. And then uh, real quick on the Polster uh, topic as well. I, I totally forgot he had that header. I don't remember what minute it was in. Maybe like the 50th minute or something like that, where uh, it was a strong header right on frame and uh, it didn't didn't go in. It was saved. I forget the keeper's name. It was uh, Kalina. Um, it was a great save. It was a it great. Was, it was a great save. Fast it was reaction a, save. Yeah. Yeah. Polster was really pushing to get a goal tonight. Uh, it's too bad he dead. Too bad he didn't get one. But 
Um, yeah, it was just a muddy performance overall from the mid- midfield and the attack. And you did mention no DP strikers. Yeah, Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxo, both not uh, not on the starting 11 or even in the bench. Um, I guess uh, reports are uh, that Gustavo Bo is dealing with some sort of minor injury. I, I don't know how many specifics on it. I don't know if you know anything more, Tanner, but I think Buxo is just getting, getting a night off after a uh, quite a busy week week and a half for him yeah the report on books is that you know he's getting rest ahead of the international window because he's going to go play for poland and i think it was hayden bird um, from boston.com had a report on Bo, uh, basically saying that he uh picked up a, a minor injury in wednesday's game against pumas which is why he left against pumas and that's why he wasn't in the game tonight um but speaking to bruce arena after the game we only had three questions but bruce did bring up the fact that they expect andrew farrell and Henry Kessler back after the international break, and, and then Matt Turner at some point in the near future as well. Yep. All right, well, we got a lot of listener questions. Uh, believe me, it took me quite a while to go through and filter them all, uh, try to get them in order. And if I did miss a question, I apologize. Uh, please tweet at me. Let me know I missed your question, and we'll try to get it in the next time. Uh, but before we jump into the listener questions, uh, I wanted to talk about something else. The sponsor of this podcast, Golasso Kits, uh, it was a rough night tonight, and if you're looking to maybe cheer yourself up, maybe head on over to Galasso Kits and browse their selection. They have a ton of beautiful jerseys uh, to make you feel better. And if you don't know what you're looking for, don't know what team or league, because they have uh, almost everything. If you don't know what you want, you can always get one of the mystery kits, enter your size, and uh, they'll ship it right on over to you. I did that myself. I got a Malaysian uh, kit which I never would have purchased in my on my own uh, volition, but I love it. Uh, it's beautiful, uh, it fits good, and I wear it fairly regularly, uh, more than some of my revs kits. So that's saying something. But Galasso Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. Passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalassoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using code RevsRecap. That's Revs Recap at checkout for 15% off your order at GalassoKits.com. So this match definitely was a uh, dicey one, and the questions don't let us down. I'm going to go into some pretty uh, aggressive questions right off the bat and get them out of the way. I went over to Discord for these ones. Uh, First one's coming from Wacho, and it's pretty blunt and straightforward, and I'm just going to throw it right over to you, Tanner. Uh, Watcho wants to know, is it time for, for Bruce to go? You know, I have asked myself that question. Um, he obviously is the winningest coach in Magic Soccer history. And he's won a lot. He's had a lot of success. But you look at him in his age, and you do wonder, has a game passed him by? I know last year they were the Supporters Shield winning team. But if you really look at last year, they didn't dominate teams. They were, they were winning a lot of close games. One goal wins. And don't get me wrong, it was a great revolution team last year. You know, they accomplished a lot, but I just look at the roster moves and I look at the management of that and some of the decisions and not willing to make subs when you need to and sort of changing your tactics in game when you see it's not working. I just don't know if he's willing to change or to evolve as a coach. And you hear players that, you know, we ask players like Jose Altador about has he changed since when you met him? when you were with the Red Bulls, you would say, no, he's the same guy. And I said to myself, well, that's good. He hasn't changed because he's, you know, more success, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also like, well, you want to evolve as a coach, right? Right. So being the same thing isn't necessarily 
the best thing to win, right? So I do wonder. I'm not saying Bruce should be fired. Yeah. Don't get me wrong here. I don't. But I do wonder, um, you know, if it's maybe time for him to no longer coach on the sideline. It's a very interesting uh, uh, position to look at. I, I've been wondering how much his head is in it. Um, I don't know if I necessarily think maybe he shouldn't be out there. I think he still understands the game very well. But uh, that question is becoming more of a of a reality, more more of a legitimate question to actually think about than it has in the past. I still think Bruce uh, deserves to retain a spot as, you know, sporting director uh, at the very minimum because you could see the sort of talent that he can just attract. His presence in the organization itself has the sort of gravitas that can just bring players in. I, you can say what you want about Josie Altidore, Omar Gonzalez, uh, Sebastian Legette, and how maybe they're past their prime. I think Sebastian Legette's probably still in his prime. Um, but those are big name players that have been very successful overall through their careers, looking to still find a way to get some wins. And they look to Bruce Arena because they know that, you know, they have that history. They have that experience. They know Bruce Arena is where they want to go to try to get to that uh, last chance effort uh, to, to be successful again. Bruce Arena definitely deserves a spot in the organization on the sidelines, it's questionable. I, I'm curious more what the uh, what the succession plan is going to be. Is it Kurt Nolfo? Um, is it uh, Clint P.A.? Those are some thoughts that I, I don't know what the plan is going to be. And I don't think, I mean, I'm sure the plan is not to let us know. But uh, it's stuff that, that I've been thinking about. But as of right now, I'm saying no, it's not time for Bruce to go. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. Yeah, it's not time for him to go, right? Obviously. Right. But... I think long term he needs to be involved in the organization, whether it is as sporting director. I think um, Curtin Alpha's done a really good job as technical director. It'd be interesting to see as a Richie Williams, but I, yeah, I think Richie, Bruce, I forgot Richie. Yeah, Bruce at some point has to move on, right? Like he's coached mm -hmm. for so long, and I'm sure you know he's gotten tired of it. And he certainly tracks players, like players like Cozy Altidore and Omar Gonzalez would not have come to the Revolution a couple of years ago. They wouldn't have come here. You know, Bruce Arena attracted those players, and he and he understands that you need talent to win, and that's something that the Revolution really didn't understand prior to him coming here. And you have to spend money to win, and if you spend money on good players, you can make money by selling them, right? So Bruce Arena has really evolved this organization in a lot of ways. Um, but as a coach, I do wonder, yeah, if he's willing to make those those in-game adjustments. And from what we've seen as of late, he really isn't. So I, I yeah, think well it's something to look at at the end of the season. Uh, uh, well, back in February, uh, Bruce did sign a multi-year extension for his contract. Uh, the actual details of which uh, are not known. I uh, don't know the length, don't necessarily know what the terms are in that contract. Uh, but his plan is at least to be around for multi-years, whatever whatever that means. Right, as a, as a coach or a sporting director, he's going to be with the organization for years to come, which is very good for the team. And it's also worth mentioning too. Shari Joseph is also an assistant coach, and who knows, maybe he's uh, there's plans for him to uh, find some head coaching duties down the road. So, a uh, lot, lot of what ifs, and and who knows. But I think the answer for Watcher right now is no. Uh, K Cutting also over on Discord says, uh, and I think this one's a bit harsh, but other than getting back Kessler and Andrew and Matt for defense, is it time to bench? Bye. And I'm going to jump in that and say, I think that Brandon Bye has been actually 
pretty pretty damn good as of late. I think he's been one of the best players for the Revolution in the last few games. Uh, the uh, the Pumas match uh, over the midweek game, I thought Brennan Bai was one of the best players, if not the best player on the Revolution. Uh, I, I am really, I don't know, questioning where that question necessarily comes from. Maybe someone else is seeing something that I'm not seeing. Tanner, can you help me make sense of this this question? Brandon Bai is one of the best right backs in Major League Soccer. He is elite when it comes to clearances, aerial duels. He's pretty good on one-on-ones. You look at crosses into the penalty box. He's top 10 in Major League Soccer the last three years. Brandon Bai is a very good right back. I think people compare him too much to Dewan Jones on left side, and that's probably unfair to Brandon Bai, but Brandon Bai has been a very good player for the Stuart Revolution team. Yes, I, and I think also when Brandon Bai makes any mistakes, I think that those mistakes maybe get amplified or they're in bigger situations uh, and you don't necessarily notice him doing the right thing as much because he does it quietly, I think. Uh, and he kind of goes beneath the radar as far as how good he is and that, and how integral he is to this team. I'm a big uh, Brandon Bias supporter. I don't think it's time to bench him. Uh, the Revolution, I think, have some stability at the fullback position, which is something that's really hard for any team uh, to really find. So uh, Dewan Jones, Brandon Bai, it's a luxury to have them. Uh, moving on, Teal Forever over on Twitter says, what is up with the lack of chemistry this season? I know there was lack of a preseason with CCL cancellations, but hard to still use that as an excuse at this point. A uh, couple other questions from Teal, but I wanted to get that one to you first, Tanner. Uh, what do you, what's your thought about the chemistry so far? Well, I think it's based on availability of players. There's been a lot of rotation in the starting lineup, you know, especially mm-hmm. tonight. It was a, definitely a chemistry issue, but these players really haven't played with each other too much. I don't think you can use the Cavalli excuse anymore, but I just think it's just based on these players have not had a lot of minutes together. You know, you had Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa, Andrew Farrell, Henry Kessler, Matt Turner not playing, right? So chemistry is an issue, but it's because they haven't played minutes together. Yeah, I think that's 100% the reason I don't have anything really to add there. It's... Uh... It's hard to get get chemistry when you when you don't play together. So um, the other two two uh, questions here from Teal. First was also, did we only use two subs or did I miss something? No, you didn't miss anything. There was only two subs used by Bruce Arena. Uh, also, wants to say uh, Renix looked promising. I uh, hope he gets some run. Um, I, yeah, I think Renix looks pretty good. Uh, I've been wanting to see him out there more. Uh, Tanner, you too. Play the kids, Bruce. Play the kids. Play Renix. Let me see Noel Buck. Where's Damien Rivera? I want to see the kids. Uh, it's same. Yes. See what they have. You have to, because if you look at a lot of other teams around the league, they are really moving kids through their academy and getting them into the first yeah. team. The Revs have been signing kids from their academy and, and from Revs too, and haven't really seen them translate so much to the first team. Right now, the only regular players that we have I would say is uh, John Bell and Maciel and Maciel, maybe the better, um, obviously the better of the two, I think as far as uh, impact for the first team, but it's still Maciel's not an everyday starter. He's not someone that it, the team is looking to build around. He's a nice supporting piece. And that's pretty much the best that they've been able to develop so far. What, what's in the pipeline? What do the revs have going on? You got to get them out there early my opinion at least, uh, really see what what sort of potential you might have. Uh, and Noel Buck, for me, is is the big question mark right now. I would like to see it. 
But I also want to see Damian Rivera. I was really impressed with him when we got to see him a couple of years ago. Really haven't seen a whole lot of Damian Rivera lately. Uh, I want to know what's going on with him. Why is he not out there? And if, if you want to throw uh, Edward Kizza in there too, I mean, he's not not from the academy. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're not seeing any of the kids out there. Um, but Renex, yeah. Back circling back to Reddix, let's let's get him back out there too. I mean, Reddix had a lot of promise when he when he was signed by the Revs. I think it was 2019 um, when he signed. So, yeah, like, love getting to see him out there. Uh, Would have liked to see him. Uh, he had that one one really good shot that uh, again I lost the keeper's name. It's not in front of me. Where is it? Kalina. Kalina made a good save um, uh, on Reddix. I would have liked to see him bury that. But um, moving on, Mike D over on Twitter. Josie wants to talk about Josie. Josie looked gas in Mexico and tonight. Don't think he should be starting if he doesn't have the fitness. Renix comes in. Again, another Renix uh, mention here, but Renix comes in and looks lively and dangerous. Uh, I, yeah, I, I guess and no. I mean, I think with Josie, correct me if I'm wrong here, Tanner, but similar to with Omar, you kind of know what you're going to get with Josie. Josie's not going to be an up and down the pitch type attacker. He's more of a wait for his moment and pounce type uh, type player where I think Josie excels better than a lot of other players on this roster is that he's a much more clinical finisher. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, you, uh, you signed, Ozzy was the to score goals, right? And, and that's what he is. He's a finisher. He's, you know, one of the better finishers in the last, you know, 10 years of major league soccer. Uh, you know, I just, Again, I want to reiterate, this is the first 90 minutes since October of 2021. So it's tough to really look at Jose Altador in the late stretch of that match and give him, you know, sort of discredit him or, you know, get too hard on him. I think early in the match, he looked good. He had a header off a um, Carlos Hill corner. You know, the header was right at the keeper, but, you know, he did his job there. He had that other couple minute uh, moments that, you know, he probably should have done better with, but he, I think he's just trying to figure out how to play 90 minutes again. Uh, you know, and he's 32 forget- years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let's not forget that in 2019, the Revs played with Juan Fernando Caicedo. So I don't think that we should be complaining about having uh, Josie out the door right now. Um, uh, Nathan Whitcraft over on Twitter, does Omar even deserve a spot? Uh, and then another Josie dig. Polster was more goal dangerous than Josie. Maybe that's not a dig at Josie, but I mean, we mentioned it. Uh, Polster was looking hungry out there. Uh, I was really, really... Uh, a little disappointed to see that he wasn't able to put one in the back of the net, but let's circle back to Omar. Does he deserve a roster spot? I mean, I think we touched upon this earlier. Yeah, he is that number three. We know what we're going to get. And I think he's, he's giving us what we thought we were going to get out of him. Unless you had higher expectations, maybe you shouldn't have had that sort of expectation, or maybe that's just me projecting my opinions on someone else. I don't know. Um, Tanner, do you have any thought on Omar before we move on? Yeah, I think Omar Gonzalez has been as advertised. You know, yep. good in the air, pretty good at building out of the back, moving forward with it as well. Uh, he's a veteran player. He's he's had some Darren Headlights moments, but I, I think Omar Gonzalez for the most part has been actually probably better than I thought. <laughs> Being yeah, I, 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 I don't have many expectations that. for you know a third center back. I'm right. sh- the fact that he's playing so much right now. You know, he's really been the second center back this year for the Revolution so far because. When Kessler was out, it was Omar Gonzalez. Was also play, he's played more minutes, I think, than Bell at this point. So mm-hmm. I think he's played way more than you probably would even expected at 33 years old here. Yeah, you know, I, I like you said it because I think 
for me as well, uh, Omar's also given a little bit more than what I expected out of him. Um, contrarily, I will say that I think he's even slower than I expected him to be. But, I mean, what are you going to do? I you can't expected him to be him. faster than he is? He's so tall. No, I just didn't expect him to be slower than the slowness that I oh. expected. But I, I can't throw shade on anyone being slow. I'm probably the slowest person in the world. I'm sure uh, Omar would smoke me uh, in a race or if you want to time our 40s. I, I'm never doing that, by the way, just for the record. Uh, I will never time my 40 because I'm super slow. Um, okay, back to the questions. Uh, TSB11 on Discord. Uh, is the problem with the revs that Bruce built an extremely thin roster uh, or that without without an enormous talent advantage, Bruce's tactics don't work? Uh, I, I think that's a a tricky question. The, the, Does, the is, is the that, roster thin? Yeah, Maybe. the roster that we saw today obviously isn't their roster. Like, So if Jose Altidore is your first forward off the bench, that's a good roster, right? If, yes. if Omar Gonzalez or John Bell is your backup options on the bench, that's good. Arnold yes. Trust and Oma, Emma Boateng off the bench, Maciel, that's good depth, right? Like, I think from a depth perspective, the Revolution are fine. I, I think this is actually a really deep roster when they're fully healthy, and that's the, actually the key. I think they're better than last year when it comes from a roster standpoint. It's just the fact that they're so banged up right now, and they've really had... Like I said, two designated player forwards not available tonight and two starting center backs. It's it's a tough one. Yeah, I, I hammered home, I think, in my key takeaway, how I think the depth is lacking on this team. Um, and I guess it depends on perspective, right? It, depth is 100% lacking when you want to take your depth position or depth players and put them on the pitch uh, against a first uh, a first choice Charlotte FC side, right? Uh, and we saw that tonight, a 3-1 defeat. Maybe there were some chances that the Revolution should have buried uh, and maybe had more than one goal. But you can say the same thing about Charlotte, that they missed uh, plenty of their own chances and maybe they should have had more than three goals. Uh, I still think that there's quite a few question marks when it comes to depth. So I'm not fully on the same page as you, Tanner. Uh, I, I would like to see some more depth come in. I don't know necessarily where because... It, it's that would be to... my question, though. That, that's my question. Where I think they're going to need a goalkeeper depth, right? Yes. When Turner departs, but beyond that, where would you like the depth? I would like I would like more center back depth first, um, and then beyond that, I would like some uh, uh, better midfield options than what there currently is. Captoon doesn't seem to be an op uh, an option going forward. A lot of money tied up into Captoon, and. When he's on the pitch, he doesn't necessarily look like he's making a difference. Um, so I think I would like to see some upgrades in midfield, someone a bit more dependable to come off the bench. You know, kind of like uh, Lee Wynn in 2019, I think it was, uh, when he came back. That was such a nice uh, a re a relief to know that you have a player like Lee Wynn that's able to come in off the bench. Or you want to say like Teal Bunbury last year coming off the bench. You knew that Teal Bunbury was going to get his minutes. No, he's not going to uh, light the world on fire, but you know that you're going to get a dependable 30, 40 minutes out of him. You know that he's going to gas out the the opposition back line. Um, it, it's a different position, obviously. It's not so much midfield, um, strictly speaking. But I think you need that sort of difference maker on the bench. 
And looking at the players that played tonight, none of those players are going to come in and be that difference maker. Maybe Emma Boateng. But obviously, Bruce doesn't have the faith in him to to really put him forward. Um, do you have any any anything else to I don't know go back on that with? Because I think that's where my know, head is. So correct me if I'm wrong. I think right back is a position I would look at. I mean, you know, I yeah. think when Brandon Bysato is AJ Della Garza, which I I don't love that as a backup option at right back. I think central midfield from an attacking perspective, they yeah you know you have a lot in Carlos Seal, and if he's out, Captoon plays, and that's. They clearly don't like Captoom because they didn't play him tonight and they only used two subs and Captoom was on the bench. So, yeah, I think central midfield and I think right back would be areas you could improve your depth on. I just, you know, I question how they can actually do that. Well, keep going on this role of, of where do we want to improve, right? There was a question that we did get on Twitter from Trey. Uh, Trey, thank you so much for the question. Uh, it was a five or six or seven piece tweet. I apologize if I missed any of it. Uh, I tried to stitch it together the best I could, but let's, let's run through some positions real quick that Trey is talking about and uh, see if we can somewhat rapid fire uh, answer some questions here and, and see what possible transfers we have coming to the, for the summer. Right. Uh, starting from the back, we're looking at, at keeper. Uh, Trey says possibly another goalie in the mix for when Turner leaves Earl and Brad are average MLS goalies could use someone. And I think that's uh, totally acceptable. Uh, uh, Opinions, and I know we have another question as well from Mohammed Hussein over on Twitter. Uh, who are some possible replacements within the league you'd like to look at trading for? Uh, who's more worth the money, uh, Dane St. Clair or Ethan Hor- Horvath? Um, so, talking keepers, if you had to choose between Horvath and St. Clair without knowing the money, uh, I, I think I would take Horvath. Are you on that same page? So getting beyond like the value of the player, I would take Horvath too. Um, but I don't think they're gonna be able to get him. I mean, he's starting over there now. He's actually uh, part of the World Cup roster, qualifying roster for the U.S. in March. Um, so I think he's gonna be out of their price range. But uh, Saint Clair probably will be out of the price range too. But they're looking at them, which is good. I think the Revolution are clearly looking to replace Matt Turner with a quality player. Um, I think Dane St. Clair, I, I tweeted about this uh, a few weeks ago when the first reports came out that the Revs were looking at Dane St. Clair. Uh, I was saying, just just open up that bank account, throw the money out there. I think Minnesota wanted something uh, a little over a million dollars for him. What else are the Revs going to do with all that money that they're making from selling Turner, right? We're just going to look at the Turner transaction alone, not even thinking about does Buxa go in the summer, not even talking about the Buchanan cash, right? just the Turner money that you're going to get. If you can't turn around and just put that into another keeper, uh, what else are you going to do with it? Where's that money going to go? Um, I think if you can get some sort of deal where you're sending a whole bunch of money, I get granted it's not just a cash transaction. It's going to be some sort of allocation money um, switch as well. But uh, why can't you just you know back up the truck and get a player like Dane St. Clair, who's young, very promising, very talented, skillful, uh, and has experience playing for good teams. Uh, so Dane St. Clair is, in my opinion, the player that the ref should go after. If money was not an object, I'm, I'm with Horvath. Uh, moving on with Trey's topics here, uh, current outside back. Uh, what do we need? Possibly someone to give Jones and buy rest when they need it, not number one priority. So I think you were saying that that might be your top priority to give them rest. I like Ryan um, Spaulding. Um, 
no, I really think Ryan Spalding is a, a good backup piece. We've only seen him in limited action, so we need to see more MLS level with Spalding. But I do think, you know, you would probably like to have someone other than AJ Dillard Garza um, come in for Brandon by. I think, but that's like a luxury, right? Yes. I, I wholeheartedly agree on that one too. Um, I, and, you know, to AJ Dillard Garza's defense, I don't think he's really looked bad when he's been out there. There hasn't been any moment where I've been like, AJ cost us this match. Not even close. I think he's been serviceable, uh, but I don't know if necessarily he's going to be a long-term option um, to to back up that that fullback spot. But I, I I agree with Trey. It's definitely not a top priority. Uh, we got some more positions here because Trey went through all of them. Center back. What do we need? Definitely a backup center back. Bell has potential and is athletic, but not ready for MLS. Gonzalez is an average backup with Kessler Farrell not staying healthy. We need somebody here. Uh, this is. Sort of what I was thinking about. I think you're going to have some rotation coming up when it comes to Open Cup. Uh, I was hoping that, you know, Champions League would last a little bit longer. But you're going to have some rotation. You're going to have some injuries. Does Do you want Gonzalez to be that starting center back pairing with Andrew Farrell or Henry Kessler? Or do you want to maybe go somewhere else? I think I would like to have a more reliable 90-minute player out there rather than Omar, who I think is more of a situational use center back. John Bell, I think is just not quite ready for MLS. So I do agree with Trey there. Uh, I don't mind John Bell in the spot here and there when needed. Um, he does have some, some qualities to provide, uh, but you're, you're over there shaking your head. So I'll, I'll give you the floor. What, what are your, what's your opinion? I, I think you're going to have to really look at Andrew Farrell here, and I think he's the key player. Um, mm-hmm. you know, was the soreness just driven by the rapid clip of games that they played, or is it something he might be dealing with more long-term where you're going to have to you know, rest Andrew Farrell because he's, he's been Iron Man, right? He's played so many MLS matches on the hard turf at Gillette, and he's on the wrong side of 30. And like I love Andrew Farrell, but I think you have to really ask yourself, is he going to be capable of playing every game from here on out? And if the answer is, we don't know, then you look at your depth and say, okay, can John Pell pair up with Henry Kessler? Because John Bell, we know we can go 90. And then you look at Omar Gonzalez and say, okay, now we don't have that full 90 behind him. So I, I think center back could be a need. I just think it all comes down to if this soreness with Farrell is more of a longer-term issue. If it's not, I wouldn't worry about center back. I think there's other pressing needs. I like that talk about about Farrell and in the future possibly of that position. Uh, it is funny you mentioned that he's uh, somewhat of an Iron Man for the Revs, and of course, we tweeted out a picture of Iron Man Andrew Farrell, and uh, there was also some comments that we made saying uh, no need to worry. In Mexico, we got Andrew Farrell just to find out that he didn't even travel with the team. Um, so shot ourselves in the foot with that one, but. Hopefully Andrew uh, gets better soon and gets back out on the pitch. Uh, I think we we'd miss him dearly. Uh, uh, this back line is a, a totally different look when Andrew Farrell is not on the pitch. Um, all right, I said we'd do these rapid fire. I have failed so far. CDM, what do we need, assuming we don't move to a CDM look? Trey says nothing. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I think CDM's fine. Uh, central mid... Uh, wide midfielders, uh, better midfielder than T-Mac. Boateng is good, but I like him as a sub. Would be nice to have somebody with good speed and footwork better than T-Mac. Thoughts? I think Trustison's look good. 
That's um, a good good show. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Tristan and get out there a bit more too. Get some more minutes. I would like to see him go the full ninety. Uh, but yes. I, I, I think he's looked good. I actually thought he looked okay last year too. Maybe not necessarily what you thought, but I think Tristan still has more to give. I'll agree he has more to give. I think you still got to be careful with Tristan because he seems to be able to pick up those yellows. Um, he he likes to pick up some cards. But other than that, uh, yeah, I, I think Tristan might be that answer or possibly a, a cap to him. You know, I mean, he's a half million dollar player. Maybe he's got something. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll need another year with cap to find out uh, what, what he'll what he'll I think you have to play team. him. I think either you got to give him time with the Prevs too, or yes, with the first you team. Captain has to play, and if you want him to change the way he plays, he needs to get time to actually be able to do that. So if you're not going to do it with the first team, I think Captain needs to go with the Revs too and actually get some minutes. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Trey moves on, says Cam. What do we need? Nothing. I don't think we need to talk about that one. I agree with that. Unless you want to say there's a maybe a depth option. We don't really have anyone behind Carlos Hill. I'll agree with that as well. But that's. Shouldn't be that priority right now to look for Cam. I think there's other pressing issues. Uh, and then the last piece, striker. Uh, Trey says, a good striker would definitely be good. Uh, that's a pretty on-the-nose comment. Uh, Buxa is elite if he leaves in the summer. That's very bad. Bo is a slightly above-average MLS striker whose stats are inflated due to Hill's creation and Buxa drawing the attention. I didn't pre-read that take beforehand. And uh, that was that was that was a good take right there. Uh, I was chuckling through it. So uh, I don't know if I I would say Bo's stats are inflated. I mean, I think they are what they are. Uh, but Bo creates space for himself, which is something that Buxa overall I think has failed to do. He's gotten better so far this year. Uh, but I think another striker, if Buxa is going in the summer is 100% um, a priority that needs to be addressed. If Buxa goes this summer, yes, and the Revolution get you know, a 10-plus million dollar transfer offer around that range, then I expect the New England Revolution, or I would hope the Revolution, would be looking to the transfer market and to bring in another player of that caliber. So yes. I, I, th- I think as the roster currently stands, I think you're fine at striker. I would like potentially more depth behind Jose Altidore, like, because what's up with that Kizza? Can we get Renix on the field? But if Busa goes, yeah, you need a top-of-the-line uh, striker, and it may not occur in that same window, right? They might have to wait to the winter to get it done. But, yeah, I'd like to see the Revolution break their transfer record and on incoming and go big yeah. with it. I would love to see that. And uh, I think a lot of the fan base would love to see that as well because uh, spending has definitely been one of the more highly criticized elements of the revolution as an organization. So yeah, that would be such a fun thing to see. Uh, Trey, thank you again for that long-winded uh, uh, comment quest uh, question. Moving on, we have O Dragon Slayer on Discord, and this is a uh, follow-up question to a TSB eleven question who we did before Trey. TSBs for a, a refresher says, is the problem with the revs that Bruce built an extremely thin roster or that the enormous talent advantage Bruce's tactics don't work? So, oh, Dragon Slayer, piggybacking off TSB, we know the revs have a roster problem. Two center backs out and the team completely collapsed. The problems are deaf deeper than just center back, though. Midfield needs are becoming clear and a solid attacker is needed. What can the revs do to build this roster given that we just brought in Deadwood like Omar? Uh, shots fired. I think that we kind of went over this several times already, so no need to beat uh, uh, beat the horse on that one. Um, 
Oh, Dragon Slayer did have a, a more positive comment saying also Josie did okay today, but he can't be our first choice. He's another example of potential overspending on names rather than talent. And I think bringing in Josie was not necessarily about finding a good deal. It was about bringing in Josie out the door. We have the money. Who cares? Let's just get this guy here. Uh, it's going to be a good fit. And I think there might be some sort of plan where Josie is the Band-Aid solution in case they cannot bring in a replacement for Adam Buxa if he does leave in the summer. I hope I'm wrong about that, but it does kind of feel that way. Uh, before we move on to the next question, Tanner, do you have anything to say on uh, Dragon Slayer's comments? Yeah, I think Altador looked good tonight. Um, like I said, it's his first 90 since October. I, I do worry, though, if Buxa does get transferred, if they're going to play the rest of the season, Altador is the main striker. Um, I think at that point, you're going to need to really lean on Gustavo Bo and really make sure he's the primary because I don't know if Altador is going to be capable of you know playing on a consistent basis as a starter. And maybe that's why Justin Rennick's got some run out tonight. Let's see what the let's see what the kids got. Get them out there. We need someone to, to replace Buxa. Um, but the, I, I agree with you on that. That's uh, if Josie is the long term solution for this season, uh, that's going to be some problems. Cameron over in Discord. What is Bruce's obsession with not using subs when losing? Only use two subs and Altitude at Pumas also two tonight. I, I don't have an answer for this. It is infuriating. Uh, you have any insight, Tanner, that I might not have? I remember the New York City loss last year in the playoffs. I was sitting in the press box and I was watching the game and I kept on looking at Sam Mitten. I was like, Sam, when are they going to send in the sub? When is he going to send in the sub? Mm-hmm. Bruce just, for whatever reason, likes to wait and wait and wait. And the fact that you use two subs tonight when you're down two goals, I think that tells you more of his faith in who is on the bench than probably his attitude towards it. I think if he had his full allotment of players, he probably would have made more subs. But I think it just tells you all you need to know about players like Cap Toom. Yep. I, I, yeah, I, I think the writing's on the wall. Uh, all you have to do is read it and uh, and see if he's not making the subs in a situation like this. I mean, it, it doesn't look good necessarily for those players. Although we said this in week one as well uh, uh, in the Portland match where uh, Tristan didn't even make the bench. And we thought that maybe Tristan was already written out yet. Uh, he did get some minutes tonight. He's been getting several minutes and he's looked much better, I think, this year so far than he did last year. So uh, maybe maybe something else is is going on with Cap Toom, and maybe that's why we're not seeing him. Uh, Eric over on Twitter says, didn't we also give Cincinnati one of their first wins at Gillette? No less. Uh, and I did look this up for you, Eric. It was the second win for Cincinnati uh, on March 24th. It was 2-0 at Gillette. Kakuda Mana and Kenny Saif were the scorers in that game. Uh, so those are two names that I haven't heard in a while. Uh, Kakuda Mana at Obviously, uh, now a former Rev as well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, almost three years ago now. So that was in 2019. Uh, and that was Cincinnati actually started out very strong for an expansion side and then completely tanked and have not stopped tanking since then. Uh, I think they're going for their third wooden spoon this year. Um, well, hold on. I'm going to defend FC Cincinnati if you don't mind. Whoa, okay. Yes. They want, they want I didn't today. expect I didn't expect any defense on this, but yes, please do. Yeah, they won 3-1 against Inter-Miami, which is another train wreck. <laughs> Brandon Vasquez looks very good for FC Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. So the, When did they win? Was that this weekend? 
They won today, uh, 3-1 against Inter Miami. So they're actually oh. at two wins on the air, more wins than the New England Revolution. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that that one actually does hurt. Um, yeah. So yes. Eric, thanks for bringing up FC Cincinnati. Uh, one more reason for me to feel sad tonight. Um, but Eric wants to also say we've been lower than this before. Um, and I don't really know what else he wanted to say about that because there was a lot of comments about Full disclosure, he didn't watch the match. So, um, but thanks anyways, Eric. Yeah, yeah, we've been lower than this before, meeting. I think the morale, you want to talk about the where, where the team has been, what the potential has been. I mean, you just look at when Bruce took over uh, right before that, where, where Friedel was fired. That was the lowest of the low, I think, for the revolution, maybe ever. Um, and yeah, so it, it could be it could be much worse. I think I'm having much more fun on this podcast tonight than I would have a few years ago after a three, one loss uh, when Friedel was in charge. So uh, it goes a long way to say, yeah, we've definitely been lower than this before. Um, and hopefully better things to come. Uh, I, I think they'll, they'll turn this around. I hope they will. I mean, you have to have hope. So we'll see uh, a couple more questions here. Jennifer over on Twitter team seemed to be headless today. Nothing pulling them together. Our backline looked caught out. Many times it's painful to watch. And I think a lot of these questions are going to be um, kind of overlapping a bit because it is a lot of that backline issues. But uh, Jennifer made the comments saying that the, the team looked headless today and nothing was pulling them together. Uh, I agree with that. Tanner, do you kind of have any opinion on this? I think Carlos Hill was pulling them together. <laughs> I think Carlos had a really good night. Yes. Um, no, I think Jose looked okay. Like I, I think Pulsar actually looked pretty good. Um, I think Mbobotang looked good. So I, I don't know if they were headless or not. I think in that second half, they made some adjustments coming out of that halftime, and they did look better. They were creating scoring chances. They had a couple of moments where they were caught out defensively, and you know when you can see the goals they conceded, you're going to lose, right? If you concede three goals on the road, it's very difficult to overcome that. I think there's things you can look at in the second half and say, okay, these are promising. Like Justin Rennick, that's promising. I think headless is a strong term to use. I, I, I think they had some direction in that second half. It's just... They couldn't find the back of the net. I think that that's a fair take. Uh, Miles Halpin, last question here we got from Twitter. Uh, not a feasible solution. It might just be wishful thinking, but it feels like Buchanan could have been a difference maker in a match like this one, especially compared to some of the lineup tonight. Is that not the case? And I love this question. That's why I saved it for last. Tanner, I'm going to throw it to you. Would Buchanan make the difference? Would the Revs have won tonight or come away with a point if Buchanan was on the pitch? Tejon Buchanan is a difference maker on any team in major league soccer and on most teams in the world. Yeah. So he certainly would have been a difference maker and they're certainly missing him. You know, if you look at Sebastian Lechette, sometimes he sort of sits back and doesn't go in that attacking. Dejan Buchanan was attack first mentality player, you know, and he really helped the revolution. He made something out of nothing on a lot of times. And that's not really something that's Lechette's strong suit. So of course he could have made a difference, but he can make a difference on any team in the world. 100%. And it's worth mentioning, too, Sebastian Legette played more of like a right-wing position today. We've seen so far with uh, with Legette, he's been playing more central role. Uh, obviously, with the rotation with uh, the two strikers out with uh, with Bowen Buxa not playing, uh, the formation was a bit different. We didn't talk much about the formation at all. I think the Reds went with like a 4-2-3-1 um, with Altidore as the lone striker, which, again, I, I've mentioned this several times now. It's not necessarily what you wanted to see. Uh, I mean, it, he also only had uh, two shots, uh, Josie Altador, uh, excuse me, four shots. Uh, two of them uh, were blocked. 
but that's uh, something that's kind of worrying for me as uh, a formational piece. You want Josie taking more shots. I think a lot of the service wasn't necessarily there, and I think that has to do with the formation, uh, bringing it all back full circle. Uh, uh, we talked about this a little bit before the show kicked off. Emma Boateng and Dewan Jones. We didn't bring it up during the show, so I'm going to bring it up now. The fact that they didn't seem very much in sync on the left-hand side, and you know, Dewan Jones was definitely not as impactful as we normally see him. In fact, if you look at the foot mob ratings and take Earl Edwards Jr. off the board, Dewan Jones was the worst-rated player on the pitch, uh, which is not something that we're used to seeing from him. Um, he did have uh, 78 touches, which is low for him. He's usually in the 90 ballpark, uh, and his passing was still on point. You know, he had 86% passing, so uh, love that. But his crosses were a little low, one for five. Um, and he was dispossessed a couple of times. He definitely was not a difference maker. I think we might have seen some tired legs from Dewan Jones tonight. Um, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place right now, touching on some things that we haven't gotten to. But I did want to talk about the formation real quick. Uh, and just say, with like pushing Sebastian Legette out wide kind of reminds me of playing Tejon Buchanan out wide because that's where you have to play him. And when you do that, you kind of force the you force the question of, am I going to play Gustavo Bo or Adam Buxa up top? You can't have necessarily two two strikers when you're playing with the with the wingers as well. So Emma Boateng kind of benefited from this by getting 90 minutes tonight, or he didn't get 90, he got 72 minutes. Emma Boateng benefited because he got to play out wide and Sebastian Legett playing out wide. But Sebastian Legett is not very uh, effective out wide, in my opinion, right? I think uh, he's much better centrally, at least how he's been for the revolution. I thought he looked a little lost. He was kind of all over the pitch. We talked about this at the beginning, where sometimes he looked like, I mean, you mentioned this several times, sometimes it looked like Legett didn't know if he should be going up in the attack or, or sitting back. And I think that has a lot to do with like the formation that Bruce rolled out tonight. Um, forget what I, my initial point was on this. I apologize because I do this a lot. I go on tangents and then I forget what I was trying to get to. But this formation, uh, I wanted your opinion. Do you think this works? Do you think this is something that we're going to see again uh, with this 4-2-3-1? Maybe it would be different if you had more of your DPs in there, but uh, I thought it was a little bit forced. Uh, I would have liked to talk to Legit more centrally. Um, okay. I, I think if you look at the last two matches, they've taken their outside backs out of the game. Um, the, I think Jones, and if, even if you look at Brandon By, his crosses were really down as well. Um, and I think with Boateng, he typically comes off the bench later in games, and that's when Jones is typically a little bit slower because he's you know played you know 70-plus minutes or whatever it's going to end up being. But uh, I think it's the spacing between Boateng and Jones. They have to figure that out. You know, it may, you love Boateng out wide. He has really good crosses, really good in the attacking part. But then again, Dwan Jones is right behind him. So it's a really interesting situation from a spacing perspective. Yeah. Um, but I think they're not playing to their strengths right now. I think their strengths are their outside backs in the attack. And the reality is the fact that they have two backup centers playing, I think, has caused them to play a little bit more conservatively with their outside backs than they typically would want to. Uh, yeah. I, I am not much to add to that. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think uh, the spacing was it was a very good point for you to bring up because they, they did kind of seem to run into each other a bit. It was a bit muddy. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to pretty much do it for us. Some other notes to talk about real quick. Uh, Andrew Farrell and Henry Kessler are reportedly returning after the international break. 
fingers crossed that actually happens. Uh, Matt Turner is supposed to be coming back sometime soon. Uh, still no exact dates as to when uh, when Andrew, Henry, and Matt will be back. But hopefully soon they're going to be back. Uh, and Tanner, do you have any final thoughts before we depart? Also, uh, where can everyone find you on social media? Yeah, my departing thoughts is for everyone just to take a nice deep break during this uh, international window. Enjoy the international play. U.S. men's national team has three World Cup qualifiers. They only need three points, I believe it is, to um, to clinch a spot for... World Cup. So I, I think this is a nice time for everyone to take a deep breath, for players to get healthy, and then to come back April 2nd at home against the New York Red Bulls and get back on the right track. Everyone can follow me on Twitter at Tanner Rebello or read my work on TrifectaNetworkSports.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Lucas and follow the podcast at Revolution Recap on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also send us an email at RevolutionRecap at gmail.com anytime with your questions and comments. And if you're looking for any additional way to support the podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon, also at Revolution Recap. And please, if you haven't already, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you are listening. And lastly, be sure to follow The Bent Musket on Twitter and visit thebentmusket.com, as well as trifectanetworksports.com for the latest news around the revolution. And thank you to Galasso Kits for continuing to sponsor this podcast. The Revs are off next week, returning April 2nd to Gillette Stadium to face Red Bull New York. And we'll have post-game reactions for that match as well. Until then, thanks to everyone for listening and submitting your questions. Go Revs!